Wonderfully Weird podcast. Here's your host, KC Hunter. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Wonderfully Weird podcast. I am KC Hunter, author, developer, programmer, blah, 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 cook, etc., etc., etc. And this episode, we're going to be talking about technology. Um, but as we do every week on this show, I talk about weird stuff. Uh, we will be talking about weird stuff in in our interview today, but I did want to take this moment at the beginning of the podcast to talk to some of my readers. Uh, A lot of you guys are people who read my books and I did want to let you guys know that coming up at the end of May, of course, Connor Cold, the second full novel in the Connor Cold series titled The Deception of Sarah from Asylum will be coming out at the end of the month. So if you're on the mailing list, definitely uh, keep your eye out. It's coming up pretty soon. Uh, I finished the book a couple weeks ago. It's off with the editor. It's off with the beta readers. Uh, All of that is getting tidied up and getting it all ready uh, to be released later uh, in a couple weeks time um i do enjoy did enjoy writing this book uh if you did read the black grimoires which is the first novel in the series uh you know how that book left off and we get some answers and new questions there's new characters it expands upon the world and the mythology around the world a little bit of world building in the second novel uh but it's also in this very as you can tell from the title we're dealing with haunted hospitals which is very creepy and uh, i went to one for research on this book yeah. <laughs> so hopefully some of that comes across and how that kind of environment messes with your head a little bit. Speaking of messing with their heads, as far as weird news this week, I don't think there's anything weirder than the fact, well, personally for me, weirder than the fact that we're still fighting about abortion. <laughs> the United States is having a big abortion fight again in the public uh, domain. And it's 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 weird to me for, for several reasons, but this, this all kind of started, and I kind of saw this coming when it, this happened a couple months ago. You had on certain side of the political spectrum, you had legislators and people and in, in talking about, you know, uh, trying to pass bills for late term abortion. And we're going to make the baby comfortable and then we're going to put it on a plate and decide whether or not the mom, mom's going to decide whether or not to keep it. And if not, then then what do you do with it? You know, so we went from that extreme on one side. And now in Alabama, we got the complete other extreme in the other direction. It's like a rubber band, man. You keep tugging at the opposite sides of it and keep pulling further and further. You're going to snap the damn thing eventually. And that's what's going on. And this debate is entirely that. And like suckers, most of us fell into the trap. And social media is now full of people saying completely ignorant, stupid things about abortion, pro or against. It's, um, you know taking specific ridiculous little you know instances and going this is representative of the whole thing or it's not people telling men to get vasectomies people telling women to keep your legs closed people talking about the patriarchy and that that if you if you're for if you're pro-choice then it really really means that you hate women and you're trying to control women when that's not entirely true people thinking the people who are pro who are who are pro-choice and pro-abortion just want to kill babies which isn't true either it's it's like i don't understand why we like have no logic about anything anymore it just like seems logic just there's like a the one percenters which i in this case i call the one percent of people who actually have some sort of common sense you like go okay there's an issue here and you know there you need to mitigate this we never really did um we've kind of forced it one way or the other and i don't think you know i don't think the way we talk about that issue i've said this on my facebook page to my friends it's like 
we we we're not mature enough as a society right now to even have this discussion especially on social media which will dives into the topic we're talking about today but social media is not the we're not having a national discussion because it's not a discussion it's just a bunch of people telling other people what they should think about stuff that's all it is so there's no discussion it's just virtue signaling finger wagging accusations and just fanning the flames like i said before to stretch that rubber band further and further the two extremes are pulling it up pulling and pulling and pulling and they're going to snap the damn thing eventually but only thing i can hope is that it doesn't happen in my lifetime (laughs) or at least maybe i'll be out of the country by the time it happens but who knows um this does dovetail into the topic we're talking about today. I am talking with my friend Tony. We have this very long conversation about technology and social media and, and how that has manifested itself and a little bit about how it's, it's affected the way we converse with each other and the way we have discussions about issues like this and whether or not it's worth it. Uh, we also talk about entrepreneurship, where technology has gone, come from, where it's going to go, um, some opportunities that may be rising up for people in the technology space. So um, if you're into that kind of stuff, if you're into, you know, thought-based things and, and you're into tech and gadgets and social media and Twitter and Facebook, this is a conversation you're going to be interested in. Um, it's a pretty good one. So I offer it up to you. Again, uh, enjoy the conversation if you guys like this podcast of course share it with your friends you know you can go to the link or however you got to this and you know retweet it or facebook post it or whatever it is you guys need to do definitely appreciate you guys subscribing and sharing this so i will turn you over now to our interview with tony this week we're talking about entrepreneurship because this is something that's pretty big it's it's entrepreneurship is growing uh, by leaps and bounds, there's people all the time trying to run their own business and doing their own things. Today, we're talking to Tony, uh, who is quite the entrepreneur himself, has quite a lot of ideas. So, Tony, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're all about here? Sure. Thanks, Casey. Um, really excited to talk to you. Uh, my name is Tony Shonarelli. Uh, my day job is I'm a senior user experience designer for Marriott. So, um, you know, you got to love all those Marriott brands. Uh, but I've always been kind of drawn to technology, and I think that this this subject is really apropos. I think technology is enabling uh, entrepreneurs in a way that we've never seen maybe since, like, the gold mine or the, the gold rush. So I think this is such a neat opportunity. And, again, thanks for thinking of me to chat. Yeah, and that's a, a definite point because uh, we, we both come from the technology field. And one of the things that has, you know, personally for myself, obviously, and yourself, uh, that has come out of it is that there is this giant boom. Um, you know, we can go back to Facebook. You can go back to Friendster. If anybody uh, younger than the age of 35 knows what Friendster is. <laughs> but you can go back to all of these these uh, tech companies and these tech booms. You know, it's it, it kind of started with the Silicon Valley stuff. Um, we had the tech boom, and then you had the tech bubble, and it burst. And now here we are in 2019, and there's all of these all of these startups, all of these apps. Um, you know, even for myself, you know, as one of the many things I do is is writing books as an indie author. That entire you know, sub-industry of the publishing world is entirely based off of technology. If it wasn't for the Kindle and for audiobooks and for Amazon and all that stuff, it wouldn't exist. And you have tons of... It's, it's pretty much like the Wild West right now. Um, so h- how do you think we, we've changed now in 2019 from that old 90s 
Silicon Valley kind of uh, spur to entrepreneurism in uh, the tech world? Sure. I mean, I don't mean to be hyperbolic when I say that the mobile phone was the biggest game changer. I think anybody listening to this, that's probably the biggest no-duh statement that, that you could make. But Casey, I'm probably uh, speaking for us both when I say when I started creating digital products and working with interaction design, uh, phone wasn't a thought at all. The phone was still something that was sitting on your desk that you used to call somebody. And, and I think the fact that Wi-Fi and soon 5G even are coming across that that it has enabled people to become startups and disruptors probably easier than becoming established in a uh, in a business or in a vertical that that's been around longer than the mobile phone again i, I think very specifically to the hospitality space and you know airbnb um these disruptors they they started because technology was no longer the barrier Technology is the easy part, and and now it's about being faster, more efficient, and really, I believe it's now loyalty to a brand comes at a cost. A brand has to be willing to give their loyalists something, some reason for uh, you know always championing their brand or returning to their brand despite there being a million other options. So I think loyalty. Um, just connectivity and the fact that we are always nose in a screen um, has really made it easier for individuals to start than it has for these monoliths to navigate this new marketplace and this this uh, crazy new boom that we've got from you know internet fast speeds and everybody's always connected. Yeah, that's true, and I think uh, another part of that is probably content because. You know, you can have all of the the bells and whistles you want, but if your content, uh, whatever the user is actually engaging with, isn't something that's motivating or captivating, or isn't something that you know, to use the cold term of consumer, if the consumer doesn't want it, you know, or if it's not presented in the right way, or if they're not getting any benefit from it, you know, it's not going to matter. So the technology, like you said, is not so much the barrier anymore. Uh, you it's really what are you providing you know what kind of content on your like a podcast for instance if you can have a pie everybody can have a podcast now if you really wanted to there's no barriers really to have one but depending on how many people enjoy your podcast depends on the content of it and whether or not people are enjoying it or find something to learn from it um do you think that uh now that we have you know, virtually everybody in the Western world, let's say, who is, you know, in an, or an industrialized world who has access to a phone, access to the Internet. Uh, where do you think it's going to go? Because it, it's, it seems like it's a bit of a bubble. And as we all know, bubbles burst. Um, how if this is a bubble, do you think it's going to burst in the future? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I was kind of anticipating you were going to ask something different, so I was thinking about kind of the uh, pitfalls and the um, jagged edges that come along with this connected society. Uh, but I, I think really to answer your question, I think we also have to think about one other layer to the relationship between the consumer and the business now. For the first time ever, 
it's about how is the business cool for my personal brand. You brought up podcasts. You know, everybody has some personal brand that they're putting out there on the web. So first off, it's it's how do we now take that bilateral brand communication and make it meaningful for both. I mean, let's get real. Nobody's going onto Charmin's Facebook page and writing gushing posts and liking everything because, God, I'm a Charmin enthusiast. Right. Some things just aren't cool. So I think the bubble has already popped in the sense that now, now there's so much junk on the web that those hidden nuggets and those gems, um, they exist because they're the, uh, the exception. They're not the rule right now. Um, and I do think it's also really interesting to look at how, and I follow you on Twitter, so I know you've, you've felt similar to me here, is how technology and especially the publishing industry, how they affect tribalism in this current, you know, this current world that we live in. So is your podcast, and I don't mean yours, I mean, for example, is a podcast popular because its content is good across a wide swath of people, or is it because it echoes that uh, familiar, you know, ring that, that has become the echo chamber? That no matter what your opinion, there's a source out there that, that has content that'll make you feel good. So I think that part of the bubble has already popped, and we're struggling with things like what is fake news, what is real, what is sourced. Um, so that might be a roundabout way, but does that kind of get out what you're asking? Yeah, because it's uh, and it's interesting you brought that up because the you know my personal thoughts on tribalism it's it's kind of the it's it's the source of a lot of social ills right now. I completely agree. Because uh, you know we, we we've seen it um, you know just in the past month just this year alone you know you, you've seen two issues uh, the, Ju- the Jesse Smollett thing is is uh, of course still still going on people are still talking about it and it's just interesting how you see how when that came out journalism which is another big money maker and you know everybody's a a blogger now and everybody's reporting quote-unquote reporting news or at least regurgitating it or sharing it and the lack of of actual uh, reporting and research on that uh it was astounding but it it appealed to people's emotions it made people feel good to think certain things were true when they weren't. It made other people feel good when, in the, in the reverse, when it turned out not to be true. Aha! See, you know, everybody wants that aha moment. See, there you are. You know, Facebook is 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 kind of. Uh, I, I keep my Facebook up mainly for business purposes, and and try not to get sucked into reading the the nonsense that's on there. But it, it's it's a lot of. Let's take this story. So are you, so you're a journalist and you or you are a blogger and you have this story and I know this story is geared in the title to a certain bubble group of people out there that are going to look at it and I'm going to write it in a way that it's going to appeal to those people so they I get clicks off of it and then they share it and then it's just this big echo chamber of people saying something when that is wrong which is where we're seeing which I think is where you're getting at where the bubbles kind of bursting is when when that goes wrong and you have incorrect information whether it's about this or it's about, you know, MAGA hat kid and the Native American guy or if it's about, uh, you know, what Jordan Peterson said today or whoever did whatever. 
it it becomes kind of its own uh, is kind of its own enemy to some extent i think and I, i'm wondering if that is where that bubble the current bubble is going to burst well i think so i mean i think it already has burst in the sense now that you can tell me and you alluded to it we could read 15 headlines and you wouldn't have to tell me the source and i bet you i'd come pretty close um, because what we're doing is it's the we're writing the stories that we know people already uh, we're writing the same things over and over again in bigger and bolder letters and and I think it's not a technology problem I think this is just part of the human condition and now what happens is I'm so connected that no matter how fringe my belief is it's legitimized because there's some other source out there uh, that is or it's misinforming or just creating sideways logical statements that, that do they appease and make me feel good like I'm part of the the, the know-it-all group it's almost like it used to be fear of missing out and now as what I'd like to consider a rational kind of practical person I'm actually kind of afraid of the opposite. It's like a fear of finding out. <laughs> well, that's because true. The first time you read something, you know you've got to give it some time because there's going to be 15 other articles and, and it's going to take time for the dust to settle. Yep. So I think you are 100% right about we... I say we, I'm not a journalist, but we as content creators... We are shooting ourselves in the foot when we're reactionary and trying to appease to uh, the least common denominator, the ones that we know are stuck in. Their position is X, and as much content as I can put out on X, I'm going to see my hit counter go up, and here comes my ad revenue. So we can't we can't play high and mighty and also uh, be part of that echo chamber at the same time. That's very true. Um, there was a TED Talk from, uh, and I forgot the guy's name. Uh, he used to be in pro wrestling. Oh, it was Eric Bischoff. He was used to be a pro wrestling uh, promoter or whatever, and he had this TED Talk where he was talking about um, how the news media is doing what pro wrestling used to do because the news media used to make you think, and now it makes you feel. And that's where where the content lies with the news media is to make people feel. That's so good. It used to make you think, now it makes you feel. Right. And it's it, oh, it's very true. And it's very, and, and coming from somebody from the pro wrestling world, it's a little, a little scary. But um, I, I don't... It's entertainment. It, yeah, it's, it, it's infotainment now. So that's, uh, you know, the, the news media, they, they kind of screw things up. But now you see what I think for... Other things, like when we get to talk about entertainment in general, when you have the advent of streaming services and Netflix, and again, it goes back to the content, because there's tons of streaming services. What what differentiates Netflix from Hulu? Why does Netflix have so much more of a, a market share than Hulu does or some of these other uh, content platforms? Why did Amazon Prime have such a hard time getting off uh, at the start? And again, it comes down to content. If I've got... If Netflix has... Or they used to have, or they have for the time being until they get rid of it. The Marvel, you know, Netflix shows, Daredevil, and yep. stuff like that. And they got Stranger Things, which is the, was the hot thing. If they've got Black Mirror, which was a hot thing, and uh, you know, The House on Haunted Hill, they have all of these hot properties that you have to go to Netflix to see exclusively. 
so I do think that to that extent, it comes down to uh, the content. But I want to ask you because I think you... that's fair. But I think if we look at sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I think if we look at the origins, Hulu was the network's response to Netflix. So Netflix was the disruptor that really, you know, they started by sending you DVDs and right. you would send them back. And, and they started chipping away at the Blockbuster and the other video rental, like, brick and mortars. And nobody thought that they were going to succeed. Absolutely nobody. And what happened was they embraced, um, and gosh, they're, they're all so connected. The record industry did it with Napster and now, you know, the iTunes store. Publishing did it with what used to be brick and mortar, uh, Barnes and Nobles, to the Kindles and the Nooks. And and, uh, hospitality did it with, like I said earlier, Airbnb. But technology lets you gain um, uh, acceptance to the consumer much quicker than if you've been this giant company that employs hundreds of thousands of people and now suddenly we're going to close our brick and mortar they can't turn their wheel that fast but netflix could completely buy into that and say we never had brick and mortar let's go in all in on streaming so it's content but it's also opportunistic it's it's being able to put the content in the right place at the right time right because Hulu, I think, was always meant to be more broadcast television, and it was meant to be built by those people that are losing control. Um, I think they just kind of, they struck when the irons were hot, and they were able to succeed as well. True. So where do you see uh, going in the future, not even just uh, some of these platforms, but uh, because a lot of them are saturated now? And, uh, you know, you have kind of your established Facebook, Twitters, you know, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Netflix, you know, these are, you look at anybody's phone, you know, you will see these icons on, on most people's phones or most people's, uh, smart TVs. Uh, where do you see in the future as far as digital entrepreneurship, digital businesses that will probably be the next, I don't want to say the next big thing, but will be avenues in which people uh, need to go into and compete. Sure. I mean, some of them, I think, that I'm looking at, and, and it's interesting, ask me 10 years ago, I would have said you were crazy. But I think as we see states legalizing cannabis, that is a marriage waiting to happen with technology. Um, and I think that any service-related products, which I know is kind of oxymoronic to say, right. but any service things will greatly benefit from 5G. So any kind of like uh, any kind of real time reporting, I, I also think something you're going to see very big. Sorry, my ADD is kicking in, but it's also in the repu- reputation management field because of that echo chamber that we've spoken about, and because everybody has a microphone. Um, there's going to be a real need for people to sanitize and control content that is uh, negatively reflecting on their personal brand or even their professional livelihood. Um, And then finally, I think anything that is anonymizing or playing up on privacy. Uh, I said earlier that I worked for Marriott International. We were part of a giant data breach that, you know, I'm not going to go too into depth on, but 
any application that handles any of your personal information, um, let's face it, it's under attack. And if it's not today, it will be when it gets popular enough. Yeah, that's true. So how do you feel about... Because data security, especially when it comes to your profile, your identity, which you know essentially is Elon Musk said, you're, um, we're all cyborgs anyway. We're carrying around the extension in our pocket, you know, because you know our digital. We have a digital avatar that's in the the yes. cyberspace, and then there's us who that engages with it. Um, is it even is it is it going to be a point where it's even possible? Because being anonymous online unless you're really, really skilled, is almost an impossible thing to do. People find out everything. <laughs> they, they can find out everything. They trace back and people leave little little trails along. Do um, you think uh, uh, a firm or a group or some sort of app or whatever uh, that would be geared towards that, uh, is that feasible in the long term, uh, especially with the way humans are, which are, who aren't, who are kind of sloppy with kind of covering their tracks, you know, ask any, any uh, divorcee how that goes uh, about covering tracks. So, you know, is it going to be, I, I, it could be like insurance, I guess, like, you know, you, you need digital and insurance. I, I think everything is, you know, in um, subjectively, you're not going to be able to get it all. So there's no way to say that you're going to uh, be able to create the product or service in my mind that only shows true statements about KC Hunter. But I look at something like Snopes and how what looks like they're really unprofessional, and I'm sorry, uh, I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> what it looks like a very simple site, um, how well it's done and, and how respected it is because it kind of gives people that that are willing to take that extra step and look below the surface, it's pretty easy to find out when something is uh, BS or there's, you know, maybe some smoke that leads to fire. But but I don't know if you ever read the book. Was it The Ring? Then they had the movie, not The Ring, um, The Circle. The where, Circle. They had a uh, the movie was with Tom Hanks and it was about, did you ever read that? Yeah, and I saw the movie. All right, read the book, not the movie. The movie was not really. <laughs> way better um but that idea of going clear where i i acknowledge that now there is a camera and a microphone on me 24 7 i i actually wonder how far away from that we are um and as the book showed us i don't think it's a great thing i do think we get more and more orwellian but we need some way to at least um at least let the people that take that next level dive of research, let them know what's bunk and what's not. Yeah. I'm curious. Of, is, again, I'm kind of going back to, is that possible? Because I mean, have you seen the things about um, where Alexa or Siri, one of them, I guess it's Alexa, yeah. where there are, are kids who have uh, managed to write uh, hidden code and audio that will, you know, because uh, Alexa responds to voice commands. So they can put stuff in white noise or whatever it is. I, I You know, you could put something in a YouTube video that has some sort of, you know, uh, audio inc- codexed into the the uh, audio itself, into the file. And Alexa will pick up on this and it can, they can, they've experimented with it. They can make it order things online without you knowing about it using your, uh, you know, they can j- you could have Alexa order this and it'll do it without you even being aware. 
that it's <laughs> embedded in whatever audio you're listening to. Um, and that's, the, you know, there's a lot of hackers doing that right now. There's a lot of kind of shady things going on with some of these listening devices. I don't have a personal, a PA, a personal assistant or an Alexa. I, I have Siri on my phone and I, I, I cringe every time I turn my phone on that it's hearing what I'm doing. Um, I do too. You and I are of a certain age. And, and I think that, so to answer your question, I don't think it is possible to catch it all, but you know, it's a, it's a age old, um, dog chasing its tail of creating encryptions and then decrypting it. I mean, today's standard, I believe is still 128 bit encryption, but there's nothing that stops us really from going higher except the government says then even we can't decrypt it. So I think the advent of things like digital uh, fingerprints and and I'll tell you what I'm very fascinated by and I'm surprised I didn't think about it as my first answer, but is also not cryptocurrency. That's flavor of the week to right. me. But the underlying um, blockchain technology, there are so many, so many different capabilities for that. Um, because as you said, there are so many creepy things going on. Like, I don't know how much you followed what, what they've done. Did you see Steve Buscemi's face put on, um, Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah. At, uh, oh my gosh. That was terrifying. Yeah. Um, it's only a matter of time until truth. I'm sorry. I think you're hearing our puppy had an accident in the background. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's only a matter of time until truth is is completely gone unless we can find some way to fingerprint things to stamp them as accurate but it might be a fool's errand but i think it, it's a it's worth fighting for it's worth fighting for but i also see that at some point and you already have some of these with you know uh, doomsday preppers, people who who stay off the off the net, off the grid, or whatever. That uh, you know, if it gets to that point, you'll have a lot more people going. Well, I'm not doing this because uh, kind of the way to to prevent it would be to kind of register your you know biology, your DNA, essentially to as a kind of a, a signature to any kind of uh, audio or video material that was put out so that it could be authenticated that it was you and it's not, you know, somebody, you know, with a very clever program who put your face on a criminal and, uh, you know, exactly. while they're robbing stuff. So that's, I mean, the technology is coming soon. Uh, and then when you get into quantum computing and when you get into how fast, you know, the, you know, it's a bandwidth issue and, and how, how, why that's going to get opened up as quantum computing becomes more and more, a widespread amongst the general public, you know, you're, I wonder sometimes if, and I, 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 people know my answer to this, but whether or not technology is, is advanced so far to a point that humanity is way behind it. And, you know, cause we all look around and, you know, and look at other people and our friends and neighbors and God bless them all. But some of them are pretty far behind where the technology is allowing them to be. And, the gap seems to be growing. I don't see it shrinking. I see, see the gap growing. There's the people who know it and the people who don't. And uh, Let me challenge that, though. Don't you think more people that will know it inherently are being born every day than are dying? More people who know it, how to use it inherently. Like, I saw a three-year-old kid the other day at a, at a Starbucks using their smartphone and just, you know, t going away at it. But I don't think they... I think what might be lost there is... 
you're living so much in a virtual world that you do get confused far more easier by things that are not real because you don't have the context to know it. Oh, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, the whole, the whole promise of the connected global society was, you know, it was that information could be shared instantaneously and we could enrich ourselves. But as you said, like for every really, um, really smart, thought-provoking article I read, I probably see 15 BuzzFeeds telling me about the 27 greatest uh, quotes from, you know, Vince Vaughn or what the Jenners are doing. But, but I think that's also, again, it's not new. Think about when the written word first got, you know, they tried to keep the uh, masses from being able to write because they knew it would water down the content. Right. Once you give everybody a pen, um, you're going to have a whole lot different versions of, of history or truth. So I don't think it's inherently new to technology. And I do think that the Internet still makes good for those that are seeking to truly learn. You can find it. You just you can't be um, you can't be uh, what's the right way to put it. You can't fall for the cheap tricks. Right. You know, you got to dig deeper. Well, that, and that's been the printing press was because you know before that the written word was in the hands of you know the priest class, Monk. Monk, yeah, the, yeah, a lot of them and the and the uh, the elite and the the royal families and and that did cause a, a commotion back in the day and and I mean even to now I mean even with what what I do as an indie author you know. Uh, I, I attend a lot of these writing places and we still have the old guard there that, you know, they, they're, <laughs> but is it real? Is it, is it worth, is it as good as our, our gatekeeper thing? And I'm like, well, you guys are turning into the dinosaur, you know, there's, uh, you can't, you don't need the gatekeepers anymore. I've sold books in 20 different countries at this point, And I, you know, before, you know, 20 years ago, I, I need a team of people behind me. I don't need a team of people to do that anymore. So there is, there is merit to technology being able to, I mean, it's in the right hands. I don't want to say the right hands, but in capable hands that understand the platforms, it can be used for good. I am more concerned about there are just a lot of people who, haven't kind of caught up with yet they know how to use the stuff but they don't know really what to do with it and you know there's a thing about being able to do something and whether or not you should do something there's a difference between having knowledge and having wisdom i'm not so sure we have the wisdom yet because as you point out we have the accumulated knowledge of the entirety of humankind available to all of us in our pockets and a lot of us use it to take selfies so it's like do we really, I, 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 that is my big concern. And, you know, maybe as a doomsday, uh, scenario in my head, sometimes maybe I'm watching too much walking dead, but it's probably, you know, I, I do get concerned about where does this go? Where does, where does the, the rubber band snap on these two sides of the same coin? I, I think that's a really good concern. And I think technology is a tool that allows you to dig as deep, as you're willing to dig and and will never change that some people don't ask why so to kind of bring this full circle back to yours and my you know at least partly our day job i've worked with people that i consider coders and i've worked with developers right 
coders, I think, tend to need an exact spec. And then they, they reuse the same bag of tricks and the same syntax that they've had in, in everything else they've done. Whereas a developer looks at the problem that needs to be solved and they, they construct the logic to solve that problem. And oftentimes they're learning something while they're, while they're producing something. Right. And I think that that same mindset applies, you know, to every human and everything they do. It's like some people just don't ask why or how. And, and I guess it comes again back to what you said, that it's up to us as content creators to give as much love to the enriching and the things that are going to spark curiosity and, and delight in the minds of people that are asking why more than we do you know let's let's tell the same story again you know oh chloe jenner tweeted i can get twenty thousand hits on this in an hour oh yeah <laughs> why <laughs> why well it's what the people want tony it's what the people <laughs> want uh and you know hey there there is a something about the democratization of of the internet that the fact that it is a it is probably the only uh, actually fully functioning democracy in humankind because there really isn't a, a, a uh, nation state that's fully democratic. Uh, so, dude, that is a segue, and maybe you can have me back because um, I'm not an author, but for about two years now, I've been toying with the idea of what would government work like if it was an team. Like, why do we seek comprehensive um, legislative bills for all of immigration. Why don't we take a smaller bit? <laughs> Why don't we vote on tweet-sized micro-legislation that is very specific in its language and we get to comprehensive from the inside out? Like, Why do we need all of our delegates to be in one room at the same time to vote that's just a remnant of a time when they had to come from, you know, uh, horse-drawn carriages. Yeah. And we needed to have all voting happen in this span. And then, sorry, I'm getting way off on the <laughs> tangent. But why not structure our representatives' pay more like a, uh, a star athlete? We're based on their constituents' approval rate. That's how they meet escalators. But other than that, they get a base salary. Yeah, the inherent problem with that is the people that would have to implement it are the people who are benefiting. The yeah, they're benefit. They're benefiting it from the way it is now that they can, uh, yes. you know. Not, and you know, again, I'm not a big uh, what sort of AOC. I'm not. I'm not her hugest fan. I'm not a hugest detractor either. But she did go on Capitol Hill and and kind of ex explain why the very reason why that can't happen because there's so much corruption in Washington that it's you know actually doing something for the people. Uh, it, it comes. Uh, not even secondary, maybe tenth on the list to uh, making sh making sure the machine keeps running and we keep getting paid. But uh, yeah, that is a topic we'll have to talk about in a a future episode of the wonderfully weird because our government is absolutely wonderfully. I don't know if it's wonderfully weird. It's just weird. <laughs> so it's just weird. It's, just weird. it's a strange play. That 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 is a good topic because it's it's not. We we all live in the real world and those people live. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why aren't you talked about uh, people being behind the curve to adopt the advantages that technology can provide them? 
we're more evident than in government. Which is very antiquated in a, in a lot of things that it does. Hell yes, it is. So I mean, you and I know like the the idiot the uh, idiocy of the statement that very a large number of our government systems are still Fortran. Right. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah, uh, there's people I know people who are still using Cobalt in the. Uh... Oh God, yeah. <laughs> It's in government social security sleeping all day long i'm not i shouldn't i love you government workers most of my family works in the government so well and most of the people that work in the government it's not them. no it's not it's not them. there it's is just, no one man who's saying let's keep it antiquated it's i don't know it's, it's an expectation of revolution rather than agreement to seek evolution that, that drives me crazy. Right. It's also, it's kind of like you said with uh, with the uh, back to the broadcast news thing, kind of like Hulu and Netflix. The machine is so big. It moves so exactly. slow. It can't adapt to the change. You know, I know a lot of government people, they're, they're trying to uh, adapt Agile, and uh, Agile is very hard to adapt anyway, just on a regular basis to do it the right way. That it becomes a benefit and not a detriment, but in the government hands, I've all I've heard from the various people I know who work in government systems. Of course, we're in you know Baltimore, DC area, so that's almost like what eighty percent of the population here. It doesn't seem like it's going well because it's not that system is not built to change. It's built to be monolithic and static. So. Well, we have covered quite a few topics about technology and, and, and a bit of a futurist conversation here. Uh, why don't you let the people know if there's anything, uh, any projects you got coming up or where they can find you online or if there's any particular uh, uh, thing that you want to point them towards that you enjoy. Why don't you let the, the people know right now? Sure. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at T-S-C-I. A-N-T, that's T-Shant, um, and I'm, I'll be announcing some things there, uh, I'm not ready to give out the URL yet, but uh, at least one of the topics we covered, I've got some um, some uh, irons in the fire, so to speak. Very cool. And that will wrap it up for this edition of The Wonderfully Weird. Uh, thank you, Tony, for participating today. Again, if you guys have anything that you guys want to hear about, any topics you want to talk about, this is me and the people that I know. And I know a lot of people who are wonderfully weird and do a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, our next interview will be out next week. So definitely uh, stay tuned to the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and definitely share it with everybody you know on Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you talk about stuff online. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you guys next time.